time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, somebody say, say, I won't. Hey, how many of you were here last week? Come on, just raise your hands just by show of hands. This is the majority of us, so many of us. God did such an amazing work in so many of our hearts last week. And I expect nothing but greater things tonight. Come on, anybody excited about what God is going to speak to you tonight? Hey, so we've been in this Say I Won't series. This is the third message in this series, DSM. And so I just want to, I want to review just for a little bit tonight, and then I want to jump right into the scripture. We've been going from, going through Hebrews chapter 11. And so we started off in week one, and we've been looking at people incredible men and women of God who have done great things that are listed in kind of like this, this, uh, this hall of faith, if you will. And so we, the first person we talked about was a guy named Abel. Now his brother's name was, somebody shout it out to me, Cain. So we talked about Cain and Abel, and we talked about the reality that Abel worshiped God on his own terms. And so we said, if we are going to be kind of say I won't Christians, and this whole idea, just catching you guys up who haven't been here, the whole idea is that, you know what? We were not created, we are not destined to kind of run from the enemy our entire lives. Where we just spend our moments saying, oh gosh, I'm running from temptation, I'm running from, you know, the devil killing me, attacking me. But really, God has destined for us, you and I, to be able to look at the devil in his face and say, say I won't do mighty and great exploits for the kingdom of God in my teenage years. Say I won't pray for the sick and see them healed. Say I won't release forgiveness to people who have wounded me, who have hurt me. Say I won't walk in purity. Say I won't end every toxic relationship in my life because Jesus means more to me than anyone else in my life. And so this whole idea of looking and saying, hey, I dare, say I won't and watch me do it by the grace of God. Come on. And so, so we just said, if we're going to be, say I won't Christians, if we're going to practice, say I won't Christianity, if we're going to practice the level of following Jesus that says, say I won't, then there are some key things that, that, is that are revealed to us in the word of God coming out of Hebrews 11. So the first thing, say I won't Christianity requires for us to worship God on his own terms. Then we talked about Enoch. Everybody remember Enoch? Enoch was and he was not because God just took him. And so we talked about this idea that Enoch, if we're going to be say I want Christians, then we're going to walk. Our lives are going to be a contradiction to the current culture that we live. And then we talked about Noah and how he obeyed God quickly. And then last week we talked all about Father Abraham who had many sons. Remember? And many sons had Oh, and I am, yeah, and, uh-huh, so, there we go, okay, good, 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 so we're all in elementary school, just for a second, and so, we talked about Abraham, and there were multiple things about Abraham's life that we kind of highlighted 
that the writer of Hebrews talks about as well. We talked about in Abraham, we realized that, hey, if we're going to be say I want Christians, then we practice blind obedience. It doesn't matter if it's culturally acceptable. It doesn't matter if people think we're crazy or not. We're going to do what God tells us to do because we are the type of Christians that say, say I won't, and then watch me do it. And so, so blind obedience, Abraham modeled this by leaving his familiar land, and then we talked about a kingdom perspective, and, and then we talked about a willingness to forsake all, like Abraham sacrificially, he was willing to give up his son Isaac because that's what God had called him to do. And then we talked about, lastly, if you're going to be a say I won't type of Christ follower, you've got to love God more than you love what you can get out of God, basically. Loving God's presence more than loving God's presence, P-R-S-E-N-T-S. And so tonight, I want us to go a little bit deeper. We're going to read some scripture here, Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to start at verse 11. So Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 11, I'm going to read out the New Living Translation, and here we go. It says, it was by faith that even Sarah, everybody say Sarah, was able to have a child. See, though she was barren and she was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man, Abraham, who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. They did not, there was no way to count them. Verse 13 says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on this earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. Verse 15 says this, if they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, I want to skip down to verse 20 and read verses 20, 21, and 22. It says, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. I want you to bow your heads real quick. Lord, I thank you. We thank you for great, bold, audacious, radical, risk-taking faith that you are imparting to us both individually as sons and daughters and corporately as a DSM family. Lord, we thank you that faith is rising on the, on the inside of us even as we move deeper in this series. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. How many of you love the Word of God? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. God's Word is so powerful, you guys, and I intentionally wanted to read that big chunk of Scripture tonight because we need to get conditioned to, in, to, in, in this habit of reading God's Word and allowing God to speak to us from His Word. Now, as we've been talking about 
say I want Christianity, say I want followers. We've been also kind of highlighting some people from history who I feel like possess, because remember, I couldn't exactly put language to it, but whenever I say, gosh, are you a say I won't type of Christian? Are you a say I won't type of person? We can look at people from history who had this thing on the inside of them that said, say I won't, and watch me do it. And so one of the people, and you have people all in the lobby, that just kind of inspire you there too, but there's this one guy who, who, who kind of said, say I won't defy the odds, ignore negative counsel to avoid higher education, say I won't be the first man to walk on the moon. Neil Armstrong, of course. There's another man, and his picture will be on the screen for you. Many of you won't recognize him. But this is a man who started, who said, say I won't, say I won't start a prayer meeting at an obscure chapel in Wales called Moriah Chapel in, the early, in, in my early 20s. And say I won't begin to be the catalyst for revival that literally hit the entire nation of Wales. So much so to where they started laying off police officers because crime had dropped so radically. Say I won't start a type of revival that at that time the coal miners, they would cuss so much. The way that the donkeys would respond to them was by the curse words that they said, all the coal miners. All of them got saved so much to the fact because of this revival, because of this man who says, say I won't pray and believe God for revival, that the donkeys stopped responding because the men refused to curse. So the entire coal mining industry was flipped upside down. They had to buy all new donkeys because those donkeys would only respond because they were conditioned to, to four letter words. Does that make sense? Say I won't start a revival that literally all the businesses in the nation begin to change their hours of operation because so many people in the evenings would have to go home, get dressed, go to church because they were experiencing a move of God. Say I won't. That's what Evan Roberts did in the Welch revival in the early 1900s. Say I won't. Another man, say I won't become the first democratically elected president of South Africa after a sum total of 27 years in prison for fighting racial injustices connected to the apartheid movement, Nelson Mandela. Just so happens that today is 25 years exactly from the day that he was released from prison. Say I won't become the president of South Africa as a black African man who is fighting against the apartheid movement. Say I won't and then watch me do it. We talked about DSM students last week, who, and I kind of highlighted some. I see one in the building. Taryn, you came back to us. Say I won't graduate high school, join YWAM, go and serve people in Mexico instead of just doing the normal thing of, of being status quo. Say I won't raise funds, go be a missionary in Mexico and serve people there because that's what God has called me to do. Say I won't and then watch her do it. Sarah, Sarah, her story is summarized in Genesis chapter 18. See, God comes to Abraham. This is such an interesting account. You guys should read the Bible. It's so funny. Genesis 18, the Bible, the Bible says that Abraham was standing outside of his home and three men come up to him. He realized that he's in the presence of the supernatural. He offers these three men 
They start talking to him. He goes, he commands for, uh, or he has some of his servants go slaughter an animal real quick to feed them very quickly. And these three men who were representative of God visits Abraham in the form of three, what he called men in this experience. And they start talking to him. And, and I believe it's a picture there of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, having this conversation with Abraham. And then they tell Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And then they go on to tell Abraham, and your wife is going to be pregnant. Well, Sarah, his wife, is kind of eavesdropping. So she's standing kind of on the inside of the door, of the doorway of their house. So she's listening. And the moment they say, and your wife is going to have a child, because you got to remember, she's old as dirt. And so she hears, your wife is going to be pregnant. And she goes, <laughs> And all of a sudden, the conversation stops because somebody overhears her laughing. But Abraham says, oh, Sarah, were you laughing? And she says, uh, no. no. No, I wasn't laughing. And then the Bible's so funny, and it says, Abraham said, but, but I heard you laugh. So, like, what, what do you mean? But I heard you laugh. And she kind of, and the Bible just says that, that, that she, was, she was really embarrassed <laughs> in that moment. So she just kind of lied, right? And so, and so. Abraham, the Bible says, believed immediately. Sarah didn't believe. Sarah just laughed. Ha ha. It would kind of be like me coming up to Benjamin and saying, okay, Benjamin, look, um, I got a phone call today. And it turns out, Benjamin, who knew it? You are royalty. Your great, great, great grandfather was the king of some, I don't know, European nation. And now you have an inheritance waiting on you of $7 billion. More than likely, okay, Benjamin has faith, but Benjamin would probably laugh in my face and say something to the effect of, are you kidding? That's so funny. Um, ha, 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 ha. And he'd probably fall out of his chair. He'd probably fall out of his chair in laughing, okay? And so it's the same way because it was almost too good to be true. And so Sarah was the same way. But you know what? Abraham believed, Abraham believed immediately. See, this is what I believe. Sarah would represent those of us who haven't always gotten it right. I think Sarah represents for us in this Sarah, because remember, that's not what the writer of Hebrews talks about. It doesn't talk about, wow, initially Sarah didn't even believe God. All it says was Sarah believed God, and then that gave her the power to become pregnant, and then she gave birth to a son. It doesn't even mention the manipulative things that Sarah did to try to make this promise come to pass. No, 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 no. All we hear about Sarah is that she demonstrated great faith. See, she would be the person who maybe had a rough start, but who takes the opportunity to turn from foolish ways of thinking and living. She represents people who our initial reaction sometimes is not to believe God. It's to say, ah, that's probably too good to be true. I am not good enough. I mean, I hear, Pastor Brandon, what you're saying, and I hear, I, I've heard, I've even heard for years now that God has such a plan for my life that I can be forgiven, that I can be washed, that all the bad that I have done, I can actually be forgiven in a moment. I hear all of that, but it's almost laughable because it seems too good be true. So Sarah would represent. Or some of us who say, yeah, I believe that, that it can be, but I'm just, mm, yeah, I believe it for someone else, but that's not really for me. I mean, it sounds good, God. I mean, I know the cross and blah, 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 but I, I 
want to believe. I think I want to be- believe, but I don't. Mm, I think that's it. I think that there are seraphs here among us, guys and girls, who have been kind of around the presence of God, around the promises of God, almost to our demise because we see it in action in so many else's, in someone else's life, but we've never really taken a step to step out and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe you for my family. I'm going to believe you for my personal walk with you, that I am going. It is awesome what God is doing in Brady's life. It's awesome what God is doing in Gabe's life. It's awesome what God is doing in Kirsten's life. It's awesome what God is doing in Beth. But God, I'm going to actually believe you to do something great in and through my life. Could it be that, Lord, you really want to use Really? That would be Sarah. Now, watch what happens with Sarah. Because Sarah, I mean, it doesn't start too well with Sarah. She just kind of laughs. I mean, can you imagine? You think you've done crazy things. Can you imagine laughing in the face of God himself? I mean, if he came to you and said, I'm going to do this in your life, and you just said, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Keep walking. (laughs) That's kind of how Sarah's initial response was. See, I think Sarah is a reminder that it's not about how you start. It is about how you finish. It is not about how you start, you guys. It's about how you finish. See, Sarah represents what we call the 11th hour principle. Matthew 20 talks about this. And Jesus tells a story of, 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 of several workers And some who started early in the day, and then another who started kind of midday, and then someone who started later on in the evening. But at the end of the day, they all got paid the same thing. And then, so as he's telling the story, they're like, wait, 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 that doesn't seem fair. And then he begins to communicate to them, my kingdom isn't about, uh, it's not even necessarily about what you think is fair, because I'm the one paying. This is a kingdom, not a democracy, so you don't even get a vote. Thank you very much. I can pay however I much to whomever I want to, however long I want to, and it has nothing to do with you. You're awesome, you're amazing, but this is a kingdom, and I'm sitting on a throne. That rubs up against us, some of us, in, the, in a kind of a weird way. I thought I really, yeah, you matter, but, 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 but you're not the one on the throne. He is, right? Okay, so he's not in heaven saying, let's make a deal. <laughs> this is the deal. Okay, and so, so the 11-hour principle just kind of says this. You know, even if I came on the tail end, you know what? God's grace is so covering just by nature. And this ought to be encouraging because what happens is this levels the playing field. This says, no matter how long you've gone to church for, no matter how much wrong you've done, no matter how much right you've done, no matter how much you think you are behind everybody else in this room tonight, there is a level playing field whenever we come before Jesus in a moment to say, you know what, Lord, I haven't believed you before, but today, this night, right here, in this moment, everything changes Say, I won't dare to believe God for great things in and through my life. Say, I won't believe him at his word. Say, I won't embrace his forgiveness in a fresh way. Say, I won't say no to condemnation any longer. Say, I won't say yes to him and become a new creation. Say, I won't. And watch me do it. 
<laughs> by the grace of God. It doesn't matter how you start it as much as it matters how you finish. But I often wonder, because Sarah did have a shaky start, right? She, she, she came to her senses over time. See, the author is showing us that over time, something shifted in the heart of Sarah to cause her to believe God. Because he's not lying whenever he says Abraham, Sarah believed God. See, was it the faith of Abraham that kind of inspired her? Well, probably not, because he was right there kind of wheeling, dealing with her, trying to make things happen with Hagar. See, no one is exempt, you guys. Sarah had to come to a place of believing God for her. Again, I think that there are many Sarahs in this place tonight because we have written the coattails of our parents' faith, of our friends' faith, of those around us, of our youth pastor. My faith will not do it for you, you guys. My, your, your cadre leader's faith, it will not do it for you. you guys. Your accountability, your friends, your teachers, your, you fill in the blank. People, as much as I love you, yeah, I, 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 it's got to be internalized. It's got to be a decision in your heart to say, I am going to believe God. I believe his word. I believe, I, believe, I believe it's true. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe that everything that he has spoken over my life, the promises he that you know what? I just, I just believe, no matter what I see, no matter what culture says, no matter what our society says, I just believe you, God. I've got my own faith. I have my own faith. Sarah, the picture. You've got to know and believe this. Trust him for yourself. See, I think Sarah's story also reveals to us this truth. Here we go, point number two. Uh, uh, the first thing in terms of being a say I won't Christian, that, that you've got to realize this. A delayed start isn't grounds for disqualification. A delayed start in the kingdom, a delayed start is not grounds for disqualification. That ought to be freeing to some of us. We didn't all, some of us haven't even started. Some of us are still just on the sidelines saying, oh, well, I start. Okay, well, you know, this isn't an encouragement to continue to delay because, you know, tomorrow's not promised, okay? And so, <laughs> so we're wasting time. But I'm saying this to encourage those of us who, you know what, you may be right on the verge of saying, you know what, I am so ready to jump all in. And this very thing may have been holding you back, keeping you from that place because you just feel so behind everybody else. God is for you tonight. God's speaking to you tonight. A delayed start isn't grounds for disqualification. You've not been disqualified. You are not forgotten. See, all these people, verses 13 through 16 says this, that all these people believed in faith. Let me go back and read that for you. 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. And they didn't receive what was promised. But they saw it all from a distance. They welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. This is what I love about this, this, this particular verse in Hebrews chapter 11. It tells us every single one of them, all of these people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, these say I won't type of Christ followers, these say I won't people, every single one of them, had an element of their faith that was so filled with hope. They looked to the future. 
They look to their eternal home. Guys, I cannot tell you enough. This world is not your home. You are not of this world. But these people had such great faith because they would continuously remind themselves, we have an eternal home. We were not built to stay on earth forever. You were not purposed to stay on this earth forever. There is a very real thing that we call eternity that you are going to step into. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. I don't know the time. But we are going to transition into eternity. You were built for eternity. You were built for the presence of God with unending, boundless presence of God. You see what I'm saying? And so once you get that vision in your mind, I was, this is not my home. Therefore, I am like a pilgrim just passing through. The Bible says like a sojourner. I'm just going from place to place, kind of like a nomad. We are here for a limited amount of time. So don't get too caught up in what's going on in this world. I heard the Lord so clearly say, Brandon, tell them even tonight, I so want to break your fascination with the things of the world because as long as you are fascinated with the things of the world, I cannot use you to the degree that I have purpose and destined to use you because your eyes are filled with those things. You were built. You were intended for eternity. Your home is heaven. You are an ambassador. This is not your home. You are not a, you're a citizen of heaven before you're a citizen of the United States. Your citizenship. And so what we've got to learn to do as say I want Christ followers, we appeal to a higher citizenship. So if I'm in another country, I find the embassy and I go to that place and I say, you know what? I know there's rules and laws here, but whenever I step onto the grounds of the embassy, all the laws of my home, my, my citizenship, all the laws of home immediately kick in. And so, guys, this has to do with being kingdom-minded. So because I'm a citizen of heaven, whenever the enemy tries to come to him with his lies, we appeal to our original citizenship. I am a citizen. I'm an ambassador of heaven. You see what I'm saying? So depression will not stay in my life because the presence of God is filled with such joy. I appeal to a higher citizenship. I don't just believe every lie from the enemy. Do you hear me tonight? Say I won't. Say I won't. And watch me do this. Say I won't. Start off a little bit rough. A little bit shaky. Say I won't make a few mistakes along the way, but say I won't get back up again. Say I won't stay down when I fall and watch me rise again. Say I won't get up out of the, get up out of the, 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 the cave of, of oppression and, and, and negative thinking and heavy. Say I won't rise up and, and by the grace of God, Watch me do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Say I won't make bold statements in front of lots of people for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Say I won't stop believing the lies of the enemy. Say I won't dare to believe God, no matter how ridiculous or audacious it sounds. Say I won't, and then watch me do it. Say I won't win three people for the cause of Christ this year. Say I won't share the gospel tomorrow 
at school as soon as I get on campus. Say I won't and then watch me do it by the grace of God. Say I won't and then just watch. Sarah, we're all in this place tonight. God just is calling you out. See, all of these people were not so entangled in fascination with what was taking place around them. They were those who looked up. They appealed to their highest, to their original citizenship. They appealed to the kingdom of God. Because they, because they knew they were kingdom people. See guys, the church is who we are. We live by the principles of God's kingdom. Jesus talked about this so very much. The kingdom of God is like unto, the kingdom of God is similar to this. The kingdom of God is like a, like a man who, who owns one field, but he sells everything he has to purchase, to go after one that is greater. He says he'll give everything, the kingdom of God. And he goes on and on and on. Why? Because he said, this is how we live. Our citizenship is in heaven. If you don't get this, you cannot be a say I won't Christ follower because you'll always be engrossed with what's happening around you. See, as long as you realize that, hey, I'm just passing through. There's going to be bumps and bruises along the way. There's going to be wounds. People are going to betray me. People are going to lie about me. Everybody's not going to like me. We appeal to a higher citizenship. Why? This is not my home. I am not of this world. So don't try to understand me because you just don't get me. They didn't get Jesus. They're not going to get you all the time. So stop trying to explain and exhaust all your reasons. Well, this is why, you know, this is why I'm not even trying to go see crazy movies that are coming out. I don't God in heaven. What? I, I can't even go there. And so, so there is what, what I, I want I'm not home. I'm not home. So I don't exactly feel comfortable in every situation. And then all of a sudden you realize that, wow, it's not about your comfort because this is not your home. His presence is your home. Eternity is your home. Heaven is your home. So you begin to stop pursuing everything that just makes you feel awesome and feel comfortable because it's just not going to work outside of his presence. And so what happens whenever we come into his presence, it's break, it's the kingdom of God breaking in in moments of our life, giving us tastes of home. That's why his presence feels so good. It's like kind of, it's kind of like, anybody ever have like reminiscing moments that kind of take you back to peaceful thoughts and you're like, maybe early on in your childhood. That's what his presence is like. It feels familiar because gosh, that's where I came from. That's my DNA. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I am so much more than adopted. I am literally the son or the daughter of God. That means I have his blood flowing through my veins. This is who I am. I am one with him. We are, in, we cannot be, this link cannot be broken. He's my father and I am his son. He's my father and his daughter. His heart is my home. Where he is, that's where I've got to be. We appeal to a higher citizenship. Do you guys get that tonight? So secondly, secondly, say I want Christians. They learn this. They learn to be fine with being foreigners. Being fine <laughs> With being a foreigner. It's okay. Anybody ever been a foreigner in a different country or a different land? 
Anybody ever been there? Maybe on missions or just business? Yeah, everybody, there's a certain way that people, and it doesn't mean that they're mean, or no matter how nice the culture is, but everybody notices you're a little bit different. You talk a little differently. You, maybe your mannerisms are the way that you communicate. It's, it's not like us. Why? Because you're a foreigner. You're not like us. And then, so, but we, come, we act like, as Christ followers, that there shouldn't be a little bit of intrigue with us. There shouldn't be, a li- we, we act surprised at this, but, but we're foreigners. We're foreigners. Everybody's not going to understand you. They're not going to understand your, 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 your values, your, your boundaries, your guardrails. They're like, guardrails for what? Just live light, loose, and free, baby. No, 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 no. I'm not like you. I am I'm a foreigner. I, I don't belong to, you know, you just, you'd go, no, I'm not, you know. And so, it's, this isn't my home. I have another home. And I act like what I was taught at home. I feel like the kingdom. I talk like heaven. Therefore, I sound like whatever the sounds are in heaven, that's kind of what comes out of me. Do you guys understand that? See, you've got to be fine with being foreigners. And then lastly here, 13 and 14, this is so good. The Bible says that some died in faith, still holding on to their blessed promises. And they knew the ultimate promise was unbroken life with and in God. Because why? It says that they were looking ahead to a city that was made made for them. See what I'm saying? 15 and 16. Let me read it to you again. 15 and 16 says, if they had longed for the country they came from, listen to this, they could have gone back. If they had longed for the country. And so for us, that speaks of whenever we part ties, whenever we truly give our lives to the Lord, we break ties with our past because we no longer long for that anymore. We break ties with, what? I don't desire these things anymore. I desire God. My desire is for him. And all of a sudden his grace comes in and begins to change our desire. And so 15, 16, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Thirdly, final point tonight. Say I won't, Christ followers. Understand this reality. You've got to part with your past. You've got to part with your past. You don't long for it anymore. I have left that land. I am destined for my homeland, and it's heaven. Amen? It's good. Hebrews 12 and 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. That's so easily trips us up. Everybody focus again. Audio. (laughs) So Hebrews 12 and 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, since we've been surrounded, since we've been surrounded. We've been surrounded by people in Scripture. We've been surrounded, even in, in this series, and we'll be wrapping this up next week, by people from, people from history, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Say, I won't, Christians. I want you to know tonight that you are surrounded tonight by say, I won't, Christ followers, literally. 
Say I won't be the first person in my family to stay pure. Say I won't overcome the snare of drugs. Say I won't say no to suicide. Say I won't be alcoholism, anger, and violence. Say I won't overcome homosexuality. Say I won't stop smoking weed. Say I won't overcome abuse. Say I won't outlive a life-threatening diagnosis. Say I won't give up baseball for my faith. Say I won't prepare the youth of the nations for battle. Say I won't empower my generation to reach the nations. It's one thing to hear cool stories of people, even from history, to read about them, to hear about them. It's another thing to know that they are among you. These are say I won't, Christ fall. And see, these aren't just kind of, wow, let's make up a neat story. This is their story of them looking hell in the face and say, uh, you know what? I may have been abused. But say I won't overcome. Say I won't break the cycle of addiction, anger, violence. See, say I won't prepare the youth, the nations for battle. Because this is my calling in prayer. Oh, it doesn't mean a whole lot to you. But say I won't and then watch me do it. See, say I won't be an incredible baseball player and lay it down because I came to DSM, got saved my senior year, sitting right here in the city, get saved, hear the voice of the Lord, say I'm calling you to do DLA, walk away from baseball, and I mean walk away from it indefinitely, say I won't, and then watch me do it, devil. Say I won't struggle with suicidal thoughts oh you thought you're the only one are you kidding me say I won't be tempted say I won't overcome by the blood of Jesus and now be one who imparts life to a generation say I won't be the first in my family no real bottles of purity but say I won't break the cycle of impurity in my family and watch me remain pure as a young man in my generation where everybody says it's okay and it's fine and you didn't even have a model for it and your family's all jacked up and all these things happen say I won't and then watch me do it say I won't receive such a diagnosis swine flu say I won't say I won't and then watch me walk in the healing power of Jesus and preach on top of that and pray for the sick and see them heal say I won't have a weed addiction again you thought you was the only one they say I won't overcome by the blood of Jesus and walk in real freedom not a hope for this isn't futuristic say I won't and watch me be do we it continuously see say I won't say no to the lies of the enemy because this is what the enemy chose to spoke speak over me I didn't choose it Satan chose it I believed it for a while but say I 
reject the lies of the enemy and embrace the truth of who I am as a woman of God who walks in purity and power. Say I won't and then watch me do it. Say I won't and then watch me do it. Say I won't. Say I won't Christianity. Say I won't deal with drug addiction. Say I won't devil and dabble in indifferent drugs and all of that. And, and but, but say I won't overcome the use of drugs. And then say I won't join an internship and be a part of a movement that is affecting change in the lives of literally thousands. Say I won't devil and watch me do it. See, it's not until you say it, it's not until you speak it out that it becomes real and relevant. Say I won't empower my generation to reach the nations from a secure place in Kansas with family. Say I won't help to raise up an army of young people in a different state. Say I won't. And then watch me do it. You guys, tonight, what are you saying to the devil? What are you saying? You are not to remain quiet and silent. You are to look him in the face by the grace of God. You are to look your enemy in the face and say, say, I won't overcome. Say, I won't do exploits for the kingdom of God. Say, I won't. You fill in the blank. And then just watch me. Just watch God's grace empower me and watch me respond to him. Say, I won't. And watch me do it. Say into your feet tonight. Every head bow, every eye closed tonight in this moment. I'm just asking you, what are the lies? Maybe some of these resonate with you. Maybe the enemy has tried to tell you, hey, you won't overcome that. Hey, you won't break. Oh, you're really not that influential. I mean, you don't even have a cool testimony. So uh, whatever that is, I want you to take that and turn it into a say I won't phrase or statement. And watch God's grace fill your heart tonight. See, say I won't break my fascination with the things of the world. Oh, say I won't sever ties with unholy, ungodly, unwholesome relationships, friendships, dating, or otherwise. Say I won't and watch me do it because I instantaneously obey. Say I won't. Head bowed, eye closed tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are moving by your power, by your strength. I thank you that real faith is rising in the hearts of the ones you love tonight. Every son, every daughter in this place. God, I thank you that even now, God, that you're imparting boldness, you're imparting truth, you're placing lies, you're exposing the lies of the enemy. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.